Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 18, how Abraham saw the Lord Jesus Christ and two other men visiting him, but Abraham recognized that God was different than the two other men with him. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future? And how about more about the Lord Jesus Christ, or even from the Old Testament, more about the life of Joseph? Well, Tom Cantor's written a wonderful book, and it's about the life of Joseph. It's entitled, Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and the Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. Now, this parallels the life of the Jewish people, the life of Joseph, and even the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It shows the hope, the pain, the trials, the suffering, and the exaltation of Joseph, the Jewish people, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing book, and we need your support for the Friendship with God radio program. So we're offering this book as our resource this month, and it's an opportunity for you to get an amazing Bible study book on the life of Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Jewish people. So for your donation and support of $20 or more, we'll send you this book today. Now you can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. You can also go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Click on our resources and Tom Cantor's materials. You can order it through our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us how Abraham saw the difference between God and the two other men that were with him in the plains of Mamre in Genesis chapter 18. Here's Tom Cantor. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18, we'll get ready to start. Let's, uh, let's look to God in prayer. Father, Thank you so much for your presence here with us this morning. That's what we count the best of all. That's what we really want, is you to be here, Lord. And as we open your word, as we study, visit every heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray thee, be fetched, and wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort you your hearts. After that you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it, make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto young man. And he hasted to dress it, and he took butter and milk in the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. All right, now, 
In our last study, we came to this chapter 18, which is a chapter that's really summarized, as we saw, by the first words in verse 1, which says, And the Lord appeared unto him. Those words, and the Lord appeared unto him, they say so much, because what we have here is really a wonderful history of how God appeared to Abraham. See, on the one hand, we can look at this chapter and we can say, and the Lord appeared to him, okay, so what comes next? (laughs) And then we miss the significance of it all. And so, or we can look at this chapter and start it off and say, you know, there's so much meaning in those words that we actually can see in this chapter a certain pattern emerge for us. Not only how the Lord appeared to Abraham, but how the Lord appeared to us, so to speak, and how he appears, so to speak, to everyone. So when we read these words, and the Lord appeared unto him, we're looking for a great pattern here. And so, We look carefully at what's said in this, and we say, where's this all-important pattern? Because what we have in verse 1 is a description of what we're going to see, and we read in verse 1, and we read it like this. This is going to be a history of how the Lord appeared to Abraham. And that's how we're going to see the first part of this chapter. Not just a history. A history, yes, it's a history, but it's more of a historical pattern of what happens when the Lord appears to a man. Now notice in verse 2 how it says, And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them. See those words? He lift up his eyes and looked. Those are very significant because they show us Uh, Something about the heart of Abraham. Something about the spirit of Abraham. Abraham was a man with a heart who was actively looking. Abraham was a man who had a spirit that was searching. He looked. He saw a man, actually. He saw one man among three men. He saw three men, but we're going to see that he really saw one man among three. So this is a history of verse 1, the Lord appeared unto Abraham, and the first thing that we see is Abraham looking, and he sees a man. But notice carefully the words in verse 2, where he saw them, very important, it says, when he saw them, because those words, when he saw them, they mark a great change, a very important change. Again, this is a history of the Lord appearing to Abraham, And so this is how it happened when the Lord appeared to Abraham. He lifted up his eyes and looked. There was something in Abraham that was driving Abraham to look for God. There was something in Abraham that caused Abraham, so to speak, to step out of his own skin and lift up his eyes and look. And just as it was with Abraham, so it is with anyone who finds God. Anyone who the Lord appears to, so to speak. It starts with something in that person that drives him not to be satisfied with life. And he's looking beyond, and he wants more, and he's looking for God. And anyone, for anyone to find God, there has to first be something in that person that causes him to sort of step out of his skin, so to speak, and to say words like this, I want God, I need God, and then really to say, I must have God. And all of that is encompassed in the words that we see in verse 2, where it says, and he lift up his eyes and looked. And what happened to Abraham in verse 2 as he was lifting up his eyes and looking for God? What happens to any person 
who lifts up his eyes and looks for God. What happened to Abraham? It says in verse 2, Lo, three men. Behold, three men. So here's Abraham. He's looking for God. And what does he see? He sees three men. Abraham actually saw a man among two other men. He saw a man among men. And what happens to the person who's looking for God? He's reading his Bible. And what does he find when he reads his Bible? He finds a man among men. A man among other men. Who is that man among other men? That man is Jesus. And the person who's looking for God lifts up his eyes and he sees that man, Jesus, among other men. He sees the man, Jesus, among men. And everyone sees the man, Jesus. Everyone sees the man, Jesus, among men. No one doubts that there was a man who was born 2,000 years ago named Jesus and he lived among men. Everybody sees that. And anyone who was around Abraham saw what Abraham saw, this man among two other men. But then comes these very important words that made Abraham who Abraham was. It made Abraham different from other men because it says, and when he saw them. That was a change that made the difference in Abraham's life. Because when a person who must have God studies the man, Jesus, he goes through this change that makes the difference for him. And after we read that Abraham saw them, we see a change that happens in Abraham. Because in verse 2, it says, And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door. So we see Abraham now. He sees this man among men. He's focused on that one among men. And he sees that this person that he's seen is different. This is not like the rest, the other two. This person is different. And so we see Abraham running now. And when a person must have God, he studies Jesus, the man. But he sees that Jesus is different from other men. And like Abraham, the person who must have God He runs toward Jesus. And that's what happened here for a person, for Abraham. And it's also the pattern that we've seen with others, like two blind men who had to have God in Matthew 9 27, which reads, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's what happened to sick people who had to have God in Matthew 12, 15, where it says, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. That's what happened to many people who had to have God in Matthew 14, 13, where it says, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart, and when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of their cities. Abraham ran from his tent. They followed him from foot out of his cities. Just like Abraham, who had to have God and ran to the Lord, people who had to have God not only followed Jesus, but they did something more than just followed him in Mark 5.24, where it says, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. 
it says in Mark 5.24. They thronged him. And when two disciples who had to have God followed Jesus, they did what it says in John 1.37. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. And of all those who had to have God, like Abraham, they lifted up their eyes. They saw a special man, Jesus. He was different from other men. And when all those who had to have God did like Abraham did, they ran, who ran from his tent door, they followed Jesus, and Jesus turned to them who were following him in Matthew 19, 28, where we read, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve tribes, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So, as Abraham has focused his attention on one of these men among the other men, he realizes something. He realizes something dramatic. This is not just another man of this one out of the three. This person in the form of a man, is God. This person in the form of a man is God. And as those who must have God focus their attention on the man Jesus, they realize this was not just another man. This person named Jesus is God. That's what it says in Philippians 2, 6-7. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, a man among men. And it wasn't robbery for Jesus to be equal with God because he is God. And so notice in verse 3, the great switch that happens in this chapter that goes from the plural, the three men, to the singular. He's focused, he's fixed On one person, in verse 2, Abraham saw them. And then in verse 2, Abraham before bows. And bowing is an act of worship. And so Abraham worships one of the men because Abraham recognizes that one of the men is God. And Abraham knows that God alone is worthy of worship. And when the wise men who had to have God and they came and they found the baby Jesus. We read in Matthew 2.11, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And then when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They worshipped the, the child. They worshipped the baby Jesus because... They knew that the child Jesus was God, and they knew that God alone is worthy to be worshipped. And when a leper who had to have God found Jesus, we read in Matthew 8, 2, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He worshipped, this leper worshipped Jesus because he knew that the man Jesus was God and God alone is worthy to be worshipped. And when a ruler who had to have God because his daughter was sick and she was near death and he found Jesus, we read 
in Matthew 9, 18, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. He worshipped Jesus because he knew that Jesus was God. And God alone is worthy to be worshipped. And when a Gentile, Canaanite woman, who had to have God because she looked at her daughter, who was possessed with a devil, reminds me in Ethiopia, across the street from where we are in Ethiopia, in Scandibodies, Ethiopia, there was this woman, and she had a daughter also, possessed with the devil. You can see it in this daughter, it's the wild eyes and the mouth. And she said, my daughter is possessed by the great spirit. That's how she called it. And she was a desperacy about her. And there was a desperacy about this Canaanite woman, this Gentile woman, when she came, and we read in Matthew 12, 15, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. The best prayer that any of us can pray. Lord, help me. And she worshipped Jesus because she knew that Jesus was God, and she knew that only God is worthy to be worshipped. And when a man who was born blind, and he had to have God, and he was healed by Jesus, and he was cast out of the Jewish synagogue for that, he was cast out of the Jewish synagogue for honoring Jesus, and he was asked by Jesus, do you believe on the Son of God? And we read in John 9, 35-38, Jesus heard that he had been cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it's he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. He worshipped Jesus because he knew that Jesus was God, because Jesus told him that he was God, and that he worshipped him, and he knew that only God is worthy of worship. They all worshipped Jesus because they all knew that Jesus was God, and they all knew that only God is worthy to be worshipped. So in Genesis 18, 2, where we read about Abraham, that he bowed himself toward the ground as an act of worship, Abraham knew that one of those men was God and that God alone is worthy to be worshipped. Then notice what Abraham did. He calls this man who he knows is God in verse verse 3, and he said, my Lord. Abraham says, my Lord. That's how he calls him, my Lord. He called this man, my Lord. Only God is called Lord. Only God is called my Lord. So when Abraham knew that this man was God, Abraham called him my Lord. You know what the Hebrew is for my Lord? Anybody know? It's Adonai. Adonai. Adonai is Lord and Adonai is my Lord. He says to him, Adonai. He says to him, Adonai. Because that's a name which is a special name and it's reserved. It's kept back that the only person who should ever be called Adonai, the only person who should ever be called my Lord is God alone. And Abraham knew that this man was God, and so he calls him Adonai, my Lord. And when the leper, who had to have God, he knew that Jesus was God, what he said in Matthew 8, 2, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, or my Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. So this leper knew that calling a person Adonai is reserved for God alone. And since he knew that Jesus was God, he uses that word, Adonai. 
And when a Roman centurion, who had to have God because his servant, he watched his servant and felt absolutely helpless as his servant went through grand mouths of epilepsy. And he knew that Jesus was God. And he says to him in Matthew 8, 5 through 6, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, and saying, Adonai, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. That centurion knew that calling a person that reserved name, Adonai, is for God alone. And since he knew that Jesus was God, he uses that name, Adonai. And the disciples, who are on the verge of dying at sea because they're in the midst of a big storm, and they knew that Jesus was God, they wake him up in Matthew 8.25, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. That's another good prayer. Help us and save us. Both are good prayers. It's very simple. Lord, save us, we perish. So they use, they use. They knew that calling a person Adonai is reserved for God alone. But they knew that Jesus in their midst was God, so they used that name, Adonai. And Peter knew that Jesus was God, and he was walking on the water, and he says in Matthew 14, 28, and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And so Peter, again, he knows that this is the word. This is a special word, Adonai. It's reserved for God. He knows that Jesus is God, so he calls him Adonai. And the Gentile Canaanite woman whose daughter was demon-possessed, we talked about it, she knew that Jesus was God. And she says in Matthew 15, 22, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. That Canaanite woman, that Gentile Canaanite woman, calling a person Adonai, that's reserved for God alone. But she knew this was the right person to call Adonai because she knew that Jesus was God. And when Jesus tested her to make sure that she really did believe in the goodness of God, and he says in Matthew 15, 26-27, but he answered and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she says, truth, Adonai, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And when she said that, Jesus is stunned. He's astonished. And he says, I've been looking all over the Jewish people for that kind of faith, and I haven't found it. But this woman, because she knew that by calling him Adonai, that's reserved for God alone, she reaffirmed that Jesus was God and that he was good. So the second time she calls him Adonai. So all these, along with Abraham, knew that calling a person Adonai, my Lord, is reserved for God alone. And when Abraham saw one of these three men, he would later be known to the world as Jesus. He knew that this man is God. And so Abraham became the leader of many others who would follow by calling that man, Jesus, Adonai. And as Abraham reserved the term Adonai for God alone, and as Abraham, in verse 3, called that man Adonai, we follow Abraham by using the term Lord for God alone. We follow him by calling the man Jesus Lord. You know, I don't like to say just Jesus. I don't like to say just Christ. I don't like to say just Jesus Christ. 
but following Abraham, I like to say, with purpose and intention, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the term that's reserved for God. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, if you'd like to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse by email or coming to your phone, go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up online. You can also sign up to give a lost Jewish person that you know a free gospel gift. We can send it to you or send it to them so that you can witness to them and give them a Jewish gospel resource of Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD and his life story in a booklet form. To get that, go to friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to our bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org and order all of Tom Cantor's materials online, including our resource of the month, The Life of Joseph. Now, would you like to support Jewish evangelism? Israel Restoration Ministries is sending missionaries out door-to-door to the Jewish people again this year. We've sent out in the past 120 to 140 missionaries out to the Jewish people for 12 weeks during the summer in 18 different Jewish cities, and we've reached millions and millions of lost Jewish people the past three years. We're going out again this summer. If you'd like to have a part in supporting Jewish evangelism and reaching the Jew first with gospel materials, then we've got those materials and we have missionaries lined up to go reach these lost Jewish people. If you'd like to support the gospel going to the Jew first, We have an opportunity for you to support Israel Restoration Ministries. Call us with your support at 1-800-247-3051. You can give a one-time or even a monthly donation. That's 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Help us reach these Orthodox, Hasidic, Reformed, religious Jewish people, even some atheists in these Jewish communities around the country as we go door-to-door and bring them the gospel. As they get these gospel materials, take them inside their homes and search for friendship with God. Call us today at 800-247-3051 and support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries. That's 800-247-3051. Or you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. 